the scary movie list show i'm carrie and i'm kyle and before we get started today we wanted to mention that on our instagram we've been getting a lot of really good feedback and a lot of really good comments and responses so keep that up we appreciate it we like to interact with you and talk about the different movies that you enjoy yeah we've even been creating some lists there so worthwhile to check it out speaking of lists uh this week's list is all 2d animation films we're calling it spooky tunes yes <laughs> uh so we decided this week that we were just change it up a bit i know we've been entirely talking about feature-length films so far but we have some really great short films that we would be totally remiss if we didn't you know mention and luckily they're all available um out for streaming so we'll tell you where you can check them out as well if you're looking for some cool content in 2d animation to watch well kyle What's our first movie on the list? The first in a handful of shorts that we looked at is called How Wings Are Attached to the Back of Angels. It's a long <laughs> title, kind of a mouthful, but is directed by Craig Welsh, and it's a Canadian short film from 1996. So its runtime is about 11 minutes, and it has such a cool style. Uh, it's sort of almost like an Edward Gorey aesthetic, and it meanders in this like kind of creepy way. Yeah, I think the medium is pen and ink and also just having single frames and the camera zooming in, but also some cut paper animation and also some frame-by-frame -frame 2D animation in some parts where there's different characters that are moving around. So it's a really interesting mix of different types of methods of animation, but it is in black and white. And it has this, as you said, a very uneasy feeling. It's not necessarily traditionally spooky in that it has monsters or some type of jump scares. It's just kind of a sense of dread and also really surreal. So hmm. uh, it's worth a look, but I don't think it will necessarily be for everyone, but it's a really interesting short film if you're into animation in general. And again, that surreal nature just kind of sucks you in. And it goes from beat to beat in interesting ways. Yeah, and as I mentioned, it, it sort of meanders. This uh, this film kind of almost has this like Rube Goldberg like kind of thing going on where like there's like sort of an inventor who uh, does some like kind of macabre inventions with creating things out of bones or he's even got a fence that like has a chopping mechanism so people can't get onto his property. But it's all with that pen and ink that almost because of its black and whiteness, it almost makes everything that's white like almost ghostly. Uh, and I think that that really helps with that uneasy feeling. One thing that it reminded me of, and Kyle, you may not be, uh, you may not know about this whatsoever, but there's this uh, pizza place. This is a really random thought. <laughs> um, but there's this Chicago pizza place that my dad used to take us to like on the regular anytime we went to a Cubs game it was kind of near Wrigley Field and it was called My Pies I think it's still around gosh I hope it's still around because the pizza there is amazing um, but it its location at the time was sort of in this like basement so there were like not very many windows everything was like candlelit and one of the things that they did was they had these placemats 
And um, they were also in sort of the similar looking style. It was a little creepy. Uh, and you were supposed to find the spies in the placemat. Uh, shout out to any Chicago listeners who have any clue what I'm talking about because this would have been like in the 90s. Um, but yeah, it has this kind of aesthetic and it. That always like really creeped me out. Just like looking at this placemat, watching these little spies looking at me. But anyway, back to <laughs> back to the film. It just yeah, it makes me feel very uneasy. But it was so beautiful, also. Yeah, beautifully done, and it's very meticulous and kind of delicate. There's a few sequences that has this kind of Rube Goldberg type of contraption <laughs> that this mysterious man who is I guess the protagonist of it is living in this mansion and there is some symbolism I think in here and just the surreal nature of it I do believe it's kind of about a man who's dealing with his memories and maybe the loss of someone or the yearning of someone that he's lost before it's uh, an interesting watch to kind of figure out and draw your own conclusions about what it really is about. Yeah. So we don't want to tell you at, like, at great length because this is a super short uh, film. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. What's the What score would you give this on the Fridometer? I think I would give it a three, just right in the middle, just because of the uneasy feeling and that kind of sense of dread. And there is some kind of gruesome imagery mm-hmm. in it in different places. So yeah, it's a three. I actually would give it a four. Uh, This kind of got under my skin a little bit. Uh, It saw its way into my dreams at night. There's just, I don't know, there's something about that that look, that way that the things were drawn that uh, just, I don't know, I I can't stop thinking about this movie. So I think that's probably worthwhile to say as well, that it's quite good and everyone should check it out. Yeah, it can stick with you. I Mm -hmm. agree. So our next movie on the list uh, is called Season's Greetings, which always makes it sound like it's going to be a Christmas movie to me. I don't know why. (laughs) Every time I think of seasons, I always think of that. But this is the best season of of the year. It's a Halloween movie. And it is about three and a half minutes long. And it is actually the basis for the amazing Halloween uh, classic that we watch pretty much every year on the 31st, which is Trick or Treat. Right, it's directed by Michael Dougherty. It was the original appearance of the character Sam that is the antagonist, I guess, or the through line of uh, Trick or Treat. And it's all 2D animated, and we just follow Sam around on the night of nights as he is pulling around his big Trick or Treat bag around the neighborhood. Well, Trick or Treat, like the actual feature, I find Sam very scary. Like, he's a very, very good villain in that movie. But in this, I find him adorable. <laughs> I mean, he is our main character in this, and so we're really kind of fighting for him or wanting him to uh, get through, and he's being stalked, and, like, it's just, there's, like, kind of a through line that there's a serial killer on the loose. So I, I found this film very gratifying, I guess, or, like, it made me feel really good about how everything <laughs> turns out. Yeah, in Trick or Treat, he's terrifying. He's has in real life, he is scarier. There's more of a texture and uh, a personality, I guess, mm-hmm. to be in real life. But it being 2D animation and him having just a charming cuteness to him, <laughs> it's a it's a fun watch. But it has a nice little twist, kind of fun conclusion to it. 
And it's a nice, really tight, wrapped up short film, I think. Yeah, it definitely doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, and it's pretty solid. Uh, both this film and the previous film are available on YouTube. You can actually just search for their names and uh, the name of the film and it will pop up, which is super cool. It made me happy to see how accessible they were to get a hold of. Yeah, and you may even find uh, other shorts, you know, as you, as one does when they go down the rabbit hole of YouTube, I think you may be offered other fun short films that we haven't talked about um, in the animated realm. So yeah, check them out. Absolutely. All right. So uh, Friday Morning Score for me, at least on this one, uh, I think is it's two. I think this one's pretty easy to watch for anyone. And it is a, it is a fun horror short or scary short. I would agree. I think it's a two as well. It's it's a fun and satisfying watch. I don't think it's necessarily scary. It's got a great style and there's great art there just with the drawings and it being 2D in general, mm -hmm. the classic 2D animation. So it has a charm to it that I really enjoy. <laughs> so it takes it or it brings it to a two for me. So Kyle, tell us a little bit about this next film that we have on the list. Yeah, this is the newest, probably the newest thing that we've talked about on all of the episodes, I believe, that we have, right. we've had so far. When did it come out? As of posting this, I think a, a week previous. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that old. Anyway, this is the Creep Show animated Halloween special uh, on Shudder. And I didn't really know what to expect. I had heard of this because I know they, they had planned to do this due to the second season being uh, postponed due to COVID. So they were planning to do something. So they came up with the idea of making a 2D or an animated type of special to give to the fans. So yeah, this this one is 46 minutes long. So if you're a runtime uh, junkie like myself and love knowing exactly how long you're in for it, that's about how long we're looking at. Now this one is a two-parter. It has uh, kind of two stories included in that 46 minutes. One of them being called Survivor Type and the other one being called Twittering from the Circus of the Dead. Yes, and these are both stories. Survivor Type was written by Stephen King and Twittering from the Circus of the Dead was written by Joe Hill. So actually a father-son oh, nice. team there. Yeah, uh, it's cool. Did you notice that Stephen King was in it? Um, he makes like an appearance in the Survivor Type. Yes, and also Joe Hill makes an appearance as well in, in the other story. What what was he in, in the circus? He was one of the audience members. Oh no. Yeah, was as he... far as I could I mean it looked it looked like him. Did he get hit with a foot or what what did he I think he got hit with a foot. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. <laughs> so the animation of this special is I think it's digitally drawn, just based off from my eye. Mm -hmm. And it isn't frame by frame animation it's digitally drawn animation and, and then manipulated for movement right it almost has like layers that kind of shift and they like sort of make the, the layers shift among one another so it's not like a traditional 2d animation yeah usually you'll see this type of thing when someone's doing some type of voiceover in a movie like they're talking about something and there's this kind of still frame movement of a digital drawing or something but mm -hmm. this one was done specifically in that way, in my opinion, to honor where the series of Creepshow came from, from those early EC comics with Tales uh, from the Crypt and the Vault of Horror, where they're actually coming from and inspired by those early horror comic book series. So in that way, the, 
way that they're presenting the drawings, it looks like you're reading a comic book panel. Mm -hmm. And both of them are driven by one character's voiceover. Because there's no other, there's only one character that's speaking the entire time. So they're almost like they're, it's a a first-person narrative to where they're telling a story to us. Right. Almost like a memory or something. Right. And so both of those, uh, the aesthetic and that flow of the animation, it just like fits so perfectly like hand in hand with the way they animated it. Yeah. Now, Survivor Type, let's talk about each of them individually. Yeah. Survivor Type, and I've read a lot of Stephen King, but I've never heard of this story. Mm. And, And I don't know, maybe it's not in a collection. I'm not really sure. But... It's really brutal, and it's yeah. probably, at least to my knowledge, is one of the more brutal Stephen King stories. He doesn't normally go go super, super dark and gory a yeah. lot of the times. Yeah. But in this one, at least the story compared with the images of it being animated and seeing it actually on the screen, it's almost stomach churning sometimes we were eating lunch while we were watching while we started this and i kind of just had to stop for a second and be like okay this is disgusting which is really that's a lot to say about a 2d animation that it's so gross that it actually like really gets to you in that way but the story is basically that there's a guy that is stranded on a deserted island you find out how he got there eventually but he's on this island and he's waiting hopefully to be saved and it is all kind of stream of consciousness that he's telling mm-hmm. and that's i think one thing that makes stephen king's story so great is his characterization and the way that he has he gives his characters a specific voice and it draws us into really being with them in the moment and also giving us a sense of who this person is and what their life was mm-hmm. just really good at that Right, right. And his characters aren't always the best people in the world either. Um, He's got like a pretty trouble-ridden backstory uh, that he's gotten himself to this point. Yeah, almost all of his characters in his books and his short stories are flawed in Mm -hmm. some way, which makes for good stories. But when you're dealing with horror, that can make it (laughs) even more confrontational. Yeah. I think when you have characters that have those deep flaws that you're presented with, but you also are rooting for them in a strange way, even (laughs) if they are not very nice people. You know, one thing that I was just thinking about is I wonder if they picked these two stories specifically um, because Nicotero has a pretty big, like he's executive producer or something or like director or something. Yeah, he directed both of these episodes. Yeah. So he's also the showrunner, I believe, of the creep show. Okay. Series. Interesting. So I kind of wonder if the reason they picked these were because of the gore, because he's kind of known for going into so like pretty dark mental places, but also really showing some stuff um, on the screen. Yeah, I looked into it a little bit. I think that Stephen King gave him Survivor type for the first series, and they're like, uh, they wanted to do it, <laughs> but I think based on budget restrictions, because it's based on a deserted island, they couldn't uh. do that. So they were, they were thinking, maybe if we get more traction, get more money, we could do it the next season. But I almost think that it works even better as an animated. Right. Really, both of these, and we'll get into Twittering from the Circus of the Dead in just a bit, but the Survivor type specifically, it just works. I think that it's it's almost, it makes it more watchable 
Yeah, it, I don't know. Instead of it being live action, because live action would just be almost too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not for Gorehounds. It would be amazing to see what they could do with it in right. live action. But I just don't know. If it I being animated it. would be, it almost makes it more interesting and watchable. Yeah, I don't know if I can watch it. Sorry, I had to interrupt you there for a second. I just got so excited. I just don't, <laughs> even the idea of watching that as like, um, you know, not animated the way we watched it. I think that that would be way too extreme. It would almost be like be into that like like torture porn almost yeah. space. And I don't think that that would be that would definitely not be nearly as fun to watch as what we did and end up watching. Well, the second story, twittering from the Circus of the Dead, is a Joe Hill story, which I also hadn't heard of. But it's the basis is a family is on a trip, mm-hmm. and we are uh, the main character is the daughter who is tweeting on her phone. And from what I understand, the story written out is actually just a collection of tweets. Yes. <laughs> so you read through the tweets if you're reading the actual story on paper. But here, they've given her a voice to where she is always on her phone. And she bas- she leads us along the story and telling us about her family members, fleshing mm-hmm. them out a little bit more. On their trip, they eventually get to this desert and there is a roadside attraction that's a circus that the family or the dad is like, let's do this. <laughs> and then the story goes from there. I'm not going to tell you anything about it because it gets really cool. And I think, again, I just don't know if this would work as, I mean, I would watch the hell out of it if it was live action for sure. Sure. But just where it goes, it's almost more fun to watch it being animated. And the colors and the characterization that they can give it in the animated realm as opposed to spending millions and millions of dollars to to <laughs> pull off what's in this story uh it's almost more accessible it being animated yeah you know one thing that i had a little bit of a worry about whenever both like just this whole series started was that um this type of animation a lot of times can be really easy to just sort of like it's mainly it almost feels like it's mainly about the the voiceover than it is about the visuals. The visuals are just there like to help. But I got myself like so wrapped up in it so quickly, which also I think is great, a great testament to how good of a storyteller both of these guys are. Absolutely. Yeah. But the second one, I it was definitely my favorite of the two. I and, would agree. Yeah. And it actually I think it freaked me out a little bit because I I come up from like my family loves going on these long road trips and I could <laughs> so easily see my like my family being like, Well shoot, we had to take this detour that's now gonna add a hundred miles to our trip. But hey, you know what? Like we stopped at all sorts of bizarro roadside attractions and I could so easily see our family having fallen victim to this insane circus yeah like you said we should not give it away it's fantastic to to watch and if you find that you're not you may be having a little trouble getting through survivor type which i did you know maybe just uh fast forward a little bit and uh find yourself in that one because i think it's it's very fun but also as you mentioned before there are there's like some cameo appearances from stephen king uh-huh. being digitally drawn in the first one he's a he's a <laughs> He's a friend that the guy's remembering sitting on the porch with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can it's tell hard to miss those chops. Yeah, and that's, yeah, you could tell if you know what <laughs> Stephen King and also Joe Hill look like, it's nice to see those little Easter eggs in there. And there's also some other Easter eggs 
around their stories. Like the dad is wearing an it shirt. Uh-huh. And they're at one point one of the characters is starting a fire and there's uh the books that are being set on fire <laughs> burning books yeah yeah and there it has one of or both of theirs uh novels or stories so there's little hints or easter eggs that are like um here you go for the little fans that are in the know <laughs> so that's fun but ultimately i think it's a really cool idea that they did this because of the medium and how it celebrates where the series came from. Yeah. Like I could see myself like opening one of the old, you know, Tales from the Crypt specific EC comics or just EC comic in general and see that type of art frame by frame. And it also has those bookended beginning and ends and through line of the creeper moving the story along and introducing mm -hmm. um, the stories, not vocally, but just being on the page and it has those great transitions to where it's the camera kind of moves along one of the pages that's selling like a vampire costume <laughs> or like x-ray specs or something like mm -hmm. that to give you even more of a feel of what it would be like to read those ec comics um, again so yeah it's super in the spirit of where all of this comes from and it's really cool to see them celebrate it in that way yeah, really well directed, very cohesive, um, being that these are two very different stories that are being told. Um, I don't know about you, Kyle, but as a filmmaker, too, uh, part of me when I watched the, the second piece was like, oh, man, I, what a good idea to have told a story from this perspective of the tweets of like a live tweet of a horror situation coming about like, oh, man, I wish I would have thought of that first because it's just so good and ripe with potential and it they really did a great job of seeing that through yeah i agree i think they did a great job of bringing it into the animated side but mm -hmm. i almost wonder if it works better as a story on the page because your imagination can run wild sure instead of being presented with what an artist's idea of what it would look like but i almost wonder if it would be even scarier or more off-putting um, in a good way <laughs> when you're reading it on on paper but well, there's only one way to see you yeah. find it and we'll read it together that sounds awesome yeah. all right Fridometer, what do you give it i want to give it a four i think they're almost pushing a five because just the nature of the stories and i did not know what to expect with this new animated special and just the intensity and <laughs> where they took it up to 11 or 12 with these stories and what they can, I guess, get away with in the animated realm mm -hmm. as opposed to what they would be able to show in live action. Yeah. I mean, they all bets would be off if they have the budget. But <laughs> sure. in this case, it just, it works really well. And I thought it was a spooky, scary time, but also pretty fun yeah. to see it all come together. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that for, uh, on both of them, I kept thinking, they've got to, they've got to put an end to this at some point and they just kept on going so push those boundaries mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing that we've got two fours now on this animated i did not anticipate the animations being these highly ranked uh among the right. Meter right. scores so awesome now let's move on to the few animated features that we watched for this episode for this list sure so this first one that i want to talk about uh 
has been recommended to me on a number of occasions. Uh, it's been on my list to watch for quite some time. And now in retrospect, I'm starting to wonder about these people who are making recommendations to me and what mm. they think I like to watch. Uh, but this is Belladonna of Sadness, which is from 1973. It is a Japanese anime-esque, but not really what you would traditionally think of as anime. Yeah, it has a very unique animation style. Not traditionally anime, I think, when you, whenever you're thinking of Japanese animation or anime in general. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of that, but it is its own thing. And it's using watercolor and other types of mixed media to tell the story. Right. And this aesthetic is gorgeous. It's so pretty such a beautiful movie it kind of mixes almost like the psychedelic times that it was made into these beautiful hand drawings that um, are done like in ink or painted Um, they make sure that they uh, stay in like this very bright colored space I guess I don't know for lack of better ways of describing this it's this movie is very very difficult to describe but What's crazy is, while it is gorgeous, this movie also deals with some of, like, the darkest stuff uh, I think I've ever seen in a film. It starts out with a character who has fallen in love and she's getting married, and whenever she goes to the king, or her husband goes to the king to make his tax or whatever it is that you have to do, I guess, in these days... The king decides to uh, essentially just rape her, and it just goes totally off the rails from there. We go into these super dark places, so it's definitely not an animated movie for kids by any means. And the rape scenes are so graphic. There are parts where it looks like she's like being paper ripped in half, like that somebody just grabbed her legs and just like ripped her in half. There's also some kind of weird, almost like they turn into sort of like demonic looking blobs and there's just like sort of this pumping action that just, I don't know. I think visually it's, it's insinuated. Said, it's yeah. insinuated and not necessarily explicit, but still very disturbing for yes. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It allows your imagination to fill in some gaps, but also uh, still just know the, the true horror and really empathize with this character who is also just absolutely gorgeous yeah they're not shying away from it the filmmaker's not shying away from the horrid nature of these acts but it does move the story along and builds the character up to be something that she wasn't at the beginning right and it's great to see her toward the end finding this power uh even if it's coming from essentially satan like it's it's like a dark power that she's found but that dark power also empowers her and makes everything beautiful like there's so many flowers and then whatnot when she truly gives in to this strength by the end i still didn't feel much better for her no (laughs) uh you know that's a it's a hard situation to ever come out of um but at the same time it is something that, I don't know, I think if you start it, you should definitely try to finish it because it, it gets a little better, I guess. Yeah. Art is confrontational. Yeah. And this is almost the perfect example mm-hmm. of, of that in a true sense of, you know, if you're thinking art being a physical medium other than film, but also film in this in this case. 
So it is, I think, the epitome of that phrase, the art being confrontational. Yeah, definitely. On a lighter note, uh, or on a separate note, I think the music is really great. I loved the soundtrack of this. It has that 70s, almost if you watch a lot of like 70s horror films with that jazzy score, and it has different musical interludes as well. Mm-hmm. It's almost a hybrid musical in a way. Yeah. And I, I want the soundtrack right now. Yeah. I want to get on vinyl online and I want to buy it. Yes. <laughs> While I'm talking about it. Right. But I really enjoyed the music. It was really great. Yeah. I think I'll be, uh, next time we can one day go to the record store, I've taken mental note that that's something that I need to look at or look for. Uh, maybe that'll be a good Christmas gift for you. Mm. Hmm. All right. So uh, we're not going to spend a ton more time on this movie because honestly, it's undescribable in a lot of ways. So uh, we'll just let the art speak for itself. So, uh, Kyle, what do you give this on the Fridometer? A lot of times I base my Fridometer on how it's affecting me or how it makes me feel mm-hmm. most of the time. Not necessarily, ooh, there's 15 jump scares, so that moves it up to a four. <laughs> um, so in this case, just because of the nature of it, I'm going to give it a four Yeah. on the on the Fridometer for me. And I think one of the reasons it doesn't move to a five is just because the animation uh makes it almost charming in some scenes yeah it almost reminds me sometimes of yellow submarine the animation that's in yellow submarine just the 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 look of that in some ways reminds me of this movie that made me think a little bit of like if sleeping beauty if they didn't color in the whole panel sometimes yeah some sleeping beauty uh (laughs) kind of look or a design to it as well yeah but it's a four for me yeah I actually can actively tell that you're even uncomfortable just talking about this movie. So I can only imagine being in your skin trying to watch this movie. I gave it a five or I will give it a five. And I think it's because literally while we were watching the movie, I like I f- was physically feeling pain and I I cried while we watched the movie. And I'm sure you didn't catch me doing that. It no, was probably because of- I was just sta- staring mouth agape at the screen. So I probably weren't. Right. paid attention to what you were yeah <laughs> it was like and it wasn't even like one of those like cries like whenever you're like sad that somebody has died in the movie or something it was very much like like a weeping for society as a whole <laughs> and how dark real life is so um yeah definitely a five for me very hard to watch uh, especially as a as a female audience member i think but so on to a significantly lighter note. <laughs> Kyle, what's the next movie on the list? We watched The Halloween Tree, which is a TV movie that premiered on ABC in 1993 in October. So it was perfect for that time of year. And I may have even watched this when it premiered. Wow. Maybe. If memory serves me right, I would have been in just around 10 years old. But... For sure, I remember re-watching it on Cartoon Network because it re-aired, I believe. I don't know up until which year. It may even still be doing it. I haven't found it or seen it being aired recently. Mm-hmm. But there in the 90s, for sure, I do know that every year around Halloween season, I remember seeing it on Cartoon Network. And it was based off of a novel by Ray Bradbury. He's one of my favorite writers. And he actually does the narration at the beginning and throughout the film. But yeah, he, and I believe he's reading excerpts from the actual book. And also, we have Leonard Nimoy, who is playing the voice of Mr. Moundshroud. And he doesn't actually sound like Leonard Nimoy, as you remember <laughs> him, like having that 
very monotone or calm delivery as Spock. Mm -hmm. He does go for a characterization of Mr. Mountroud being this very strange and creepy old man. So this was my first view ever of watching this movie. I know that's probably kind of mind-blowing because it's uh, definitely right up my alley and it's definitely a movie that I'm now going to watch probably every Halloween. But do you want? I'm going to read you just verbatim the notes that I took on this because uh, okay. looking back, I don't know, I, I take notes on each of the films that I'm seeing for the first time or if I, I'm not super familiar or I'm afraid that I might forget something, I, I take notes. So on this film, I took um, not extensive notes, but some notes that now out of context seem crazy, but will make sense if you've seen the film. My first note was the ravine. Why did they go in that? There's that portion of the film at the beginning where their friend, uh, they think they sell their friend down in this ravine, so they chase after him. I don't know. To me, that was like the scariest looking little space. Like, why is there a ravine there? Also, what children call a, like a small valley or like a creek bed area a ravine? Um, but amazing. They are chasing their friend. Um, as this old dude is also chasing their friend to try to save his soul. That's just like a fact about the movie. So, <laughs> yeah, there's like the shortest synopsis of this film that you can possibly get. For some reason, this takes a lot of flying. Did you notice how often they just fly in this movie? Like, yeah, I think it's a, it's a magical realm. I, I think it adds to the mystery and the fun of it because they, they kind of fly into the air and travel through time. Based off of, I think, Mountroud's, Mr. Mountroud's oh, right. His uh, powers, cape or something. I believe. Like, yeah. That's what allows him. He's some type of mystical being that isn't really explained, which I appreciate. I like just knowing <laughs> that he's this strange, mystical man that somehow lives in this town and has a gigantic Halloween tree filled with jack-o'-lanterns that contain the souls of children. <laughs> yeah. I don't... I That backstory, I did not catch, but that is really funny to think back on. So that's the namesake of the film is named after this old man's tree who's full of souls of children. <laughs> what a dark, weird thing. Yeah. Only in the 90s would be mm-hmm. <laughs> putting out a film like this. But yeah, as you said, they're like constantly flying in this movie. Like anytime they do something, they come down out of like this whirlwind thing in the sky. They do their thing and then they fly away in scene. Okay, now we fly into the next scene or the next like sequence or whatever. I don't know. It just, it seemed like it happened so often that I just, I would have been remiss not to point it out. (laughs) And it, on my first view, that was one of the, my takeaways was these kids fly a lot. And then my last note that just was verbatim on here is that I really enjoyed learning about the history of trick-or-treating. They hid like an educational thing in this movie. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know how well they hit it. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I mean, did little Kyle as a, a youngster pick up on the fact that you were learning history while you were watching this movie? A little bit, yeah. I don't remember thinking like, this was a great history lesson. <laughs> but I do remember being like, that's really cool to know that, I mean, they, they the idea is each of the kids in the friend group um, and at the beginning, it's it's Halloween. They start right away. It's trick-or-treat. Everybody's dressed up. One's a skeleton. One's a monster. One's a witch. And one is a mummy. And they're trying to meet up with their friend, Pip. And unfortunately, they can't find him. And 
it has to do with him going to the hospital with appendicitis or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we see him get in the ambulance. Right. And then they're like, no, we have to find our friend. So they're they're going to a shortcut and they see his ghost, right? Like you said. Mm-hmm. And the idea is Mr. Mountroud sees all of their costumes and says, do you know why you dress up as that thing? Do you know why you dress up as that thing? And they, on their journey, they make a deal to help him find their friend. And in doing so, they travel throughout time and get kind of an explanation or a fun (laughs) story or segment each based on the costume that each of the kids is wearing. So you go back to Egyptian times to where they're leaving treats for the dead. Mm -hmm. And they go to Notre Dame for to see the gargoyles and the monsters and the reasonings for, for that. So... It was a cool thing to see. Like as a kid, I I knew that it was like, oh, this is the history of that. Mm -hmm. And to give the kids a better understanding of what it really means and what where Halloween comes from. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things about this movie. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you said to me as we started this movie was this is a real sad movie, but it's not actually that sad. So why did you find this movie so sad? Were you just trying to throw me off the scent or? Okay, I haven't seen it in probably 20 years. So <laughs> when I was a kid, like I remember like you're showing a cartoon uh-huh. where one of their friends is going away to the hospital in an ambulance. Yeah. You know, so that is kind of a real, That's it has a realism to it instead of them going down the street on skateboards, high-fiving <laughs> right. for, for an hour and a half. There is some... Um, some real nature of how death works. Yeah. And they they revisit that in the different time periods they go to as well. They talk about death and life. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy it. That actually is really sad now that I'm thinking about it. I wonder why so many people watch this movie. It's because it just has the the great spirit of Halloween in it. Great art as Mm -hmm. well. It's a, well, at least now, I don't know if it was originally, but it's a Hanna-Barbera uh, has the Hanna-Barbera label on it. Mm. But it doesn't look like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. It has a kind of a Saturday morning cartoon look to it. Right. In general, yeah. if that makes sense. So there, but there are some really great, really beautiful matte paintings and mm-hmm. how the, the camera moves along them to where it's not necessarily frame by frame 2D, but wonderful matte paintings of when they're in the sky and they're they're looking down on the different periods that they're coming to just really cool moody mm-hmm. colorful and ultimately has a lot of halloween spirit in the art style yeah i actually almost would disagree in that i don't feel like it's very much like a saturday morning cartoon because a lot of those saturday morning cartoons are made so quickly you know they're not as detailed not as thought through with every frame and this one was very very beautiful it yeah. almost felt like it could have lived in like a like a disney esque world of animation definitely what i think of as like disney 90s animation style or uh some of those even early scooby-doo type episodes where they had i'm sure spent a long time animating some of that but even more detailed than that yeah i think you're right but i guess what i meant was just the look of the characters has a kind of saturday morning cartoon design to them but yeah tons more detail and love i think Mm -hmm. into into this special yeah I love this movie so much, um, and I'm really happy that we got a chance to watch it together. 
And I think also it being Ray Bradbury, and Ray Bradbury is one of my favorite writers. Something Wicked This Way Comes, his short story collection, October Country. So the thing about Ray Bradbury also is a lot of his writing is very prose-driven in that there's a lot of descriptive passages in where he goes, not necessarily on a tangent, but it feels like almost poetry whenever he is describing the feelings and the nature of what we're seeing or what he's wanting us to imagine in our heads. Mm -hmm. That said, there are some points in the movie to where it almost feels like his writing can't be put into images because it almost would seem kind of silly in a way to see it in real life, like the Halloween tree. Uh Whenever they see the Halloween tree with all of the pumpkins to begin with, Bradbury comes on and reads a passage, I believe, from the book describing what they're seeing. And the image goes really well with what he's saying, but what he's saying is just so much more rich. And it's supposed to evoke or it evokes some type of feeling that almost the animation doesn't do it justice. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Right. It would be hard to live up to that. But I will say for myself, not familiar with the text and really not familiar with the movie until this view I think it did. I think it was very magical and Great. mystical yeah. in a be- like just such a beautiful Halloween way. So for sure, quintessential Halloween, we're going to be watching this movie a lot more in the future. That makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> so for Meter Score, I'm going to go ahead and give mine. I'm going to give it a one because it's really not that scary. It's definitely viewable for all ages. And actually, I'm excited about, you know, sharing this with some of the youth in our own families as they, you know, get a little older and can start appreciating films. What score did you give it? I'm going to give it a two just because of it being on Halloween and some of the spooky nature. There are depictions of death and mummies and (laughs) something that I don't think is supposed to be or was supposed to be playful. It was supposed to be kind of confrontational that this is a dead person. This is a mummy. (laughs) Or that great sequence when they're at Notre Dame and those gargoyles and some of the imagery there can be spooky, but not too much. So that's why I would give it a two. Okay. All right. So what is your favorite film from the list this week? I know that's going to be very hard. They're all so good. Halloween Tree. Okay, never mind. This is the quickest he's ever answered that question. (laughs) He edits this, and so he makes it seem like he answers it quickly, (laughs) I'm sure. But this time, he just spat it right out. He (laughs) loves Halloween Tree. Uh, Halloween Tree was fantastic, but I think that my favorite for this week is going to be how wings are attached to the backs of angels. So I really appreciate that Kyle actually had this one saved. Like, he had this one, I don't know, favorited or something on YouTube so that he could Mm -hmm. revisit it. And so he introduced me to this movie. And uh, I don't know. I think that it has some really great spook factor. And it's just, it's great. So I'll highly recommend a short film for you all this week. Awesome. Yeah. So do you have other movies that you thought up for this list? If we were kind of broadening the spectrum over all animation, I think we can make an entire podcast about how many great animation style whether it's stop motion or cg right not just 2d but but if we're sticking just with 2d uh another one i can think of is scooby-doo on zombie island (laughs) (laughs) good call it's one of the it's cool because they actually deal with real monsters instead of like an old white guy in a suit yeah in an amusement park (laughs) i 
actually want to watch that really bad now that you brought it up. So can we find that streaming somewhere, you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So I have a couple. And as you said, this is so broad. I, I'm i even having trouble sticking with just films. Um, and so I have a, one TV thing that I'm going to recommend um, that we watched together a few years ago. Maybe it was even last year, which was Over the Garden Wall. I think it's one of the best like kind of spooky but also uh very accessible movies or tv series it's a tv series but you can watch the whole thing in about an hour and a half it's uh it's not very long um and you should you should watch the whole thing. i agree um i like that you mentioned it and i almost think that we should have just included it on the list anyway the only reason we didn't is because technically it was a, a tv show broken up into different episodes right. but uh, I think it falls for sure into this list. Yeah, it's one of those things that also, while you don't feel like you have to like, you have to stick through it. I know that that sounds negative. What I'm saying is you have to get to that last episode because holy cow, what is happening in this show is just so good. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but please watch that show uh, today or anytime very soon if you have not seen it please watch it it is artful and has a lot of heart and spooky elements and lovely animation and songs <laughs> there's nothing not to like about it right so if we want to go short films and you're looking for something that's just gonna get under your skin uh spook you out real good and you're not familiar with it uh you could check out salad fingers <laughs> oh god <laughs> salad fingers uh, yeah that's one of those things that you wish you could forget and then suddenly it just comes back around well i appreciate it i haven't thought about that in years now i'm sitting here yeah <laughs> you're all welcome. these images coming back you're welcome he's just disgusting and gross and also just has this creepy voice i don't know if you haven't checked it out maybe you should avoid it so that it doesn't keep coming back around in your life yeah it is kind of weird and niche in some ways yeah but why not sure um otherwise if you're looking for a little bit of a lighter fare and you are super into music um and i know this is going to be maybe a hot take because i don't know i found it kind of creepy it's fantasia oh yeah yeah there's the the sequence night on bald mountain for sure mm -hmm. that is amazing <laughs> it's so intense yeah uh it's definitely pushed forward with that music and just It'll get your heart pumping. That is for sure. So um, Fantasia, definitely. Uh, and, you know, there's a character in another 2D animation that I think might have been my first, one of the first characters that I was ever truly afraid of that I wanted to tell you about for just a hot no. second. And I no. again, this is going to be a hot take, but Ursula. So think about this mm. for a second. <laughs> the Little Mermaid and Ursula specifically Ursula is quite literally like the embodiment of the devil. And so if you think about the mermaid, little mermaid in that way, in that she goes and makes a deal with the devil, it's kind of like the first story for like little, little kids where they're introduced to a, like a satanic or evil, like true evil character. There were obviously other villains in Disney movies, but I get <laughs> right. what you're saying in that she was very much on the evil side yeah absolutely so there is a, a a witch or a a dark and sometimes even yeah dark arts mm -hmm. satanic possible nature of her character yeah right 
Anyway, I just, I felt like if we're talking about 2D animation, I just had to rack my brain for what is the earliest thing that I would have been introduced to as a kid. And that for sure got me. Um, and I've always been a little afraid of Ursula ever since, now that you think about it in that context. All right, so that's it for our spooky tunes list. Um, as we mentioned before, we would love to see you on Instagram. Um, be sure to comment or you know, we've been making some user-generated lists and we would love your input. Uh, we make some really cool graphics with it and create new lists for everyone else to check out. Yeah. Otherwise, we would also love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you are podcasting. Thanks for listening. Keep watching movies. Take care. Hey.